Hello and welcome to day 22 of Crikey's Election Cast. It's Monday the 2nd of May, I'm Cam Wilson. Now you would be forgiven for thinking that the federal election campaign started weeks, or if we're being honest, months and months ago. Yet yesterday Labor officially, wink wink, kicked off its election campaign in WA. Luckily, our man of the West, Crikey's Tips and Murmurs editor Charlie Lewis, spoke to audience editor Imogen Champagne about what it was like to attend this event in person earlier today. Charlie Lewis, welcome back to Election Cast and good morning. Good morning, Imogen. Uh, thank you for remembering the, the time difference over in WA. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I, uh, I feel a little bit sorry for you having to get up early and start the day with all of us over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel sorry for me too. <laughs> um, so, Charlie, you were at the much-anticipated campaign launch in Perth over the weekend. Can you tell us a bit what it's like about being in the media section of a campaign launch and what it was like at this one in particular? Yeah, well, um, it was it was my first it was my first ever campaign launch that I've attended directly. So, um, I'm, I've got no real basis for comparison. But it was it's an interesting process. There's a real there's a, there's a few things that kind of crop up, especially if you're like me. I'm over here kind of all over the place covering different things, whereas the majority of the people there were either senior journalists, so Catherine Murphy from The Guardian, Phil Curry from The uh, Financial Review, David Crow from The Nine Papers was there. But there was also a lot of, um, it was, you know, the, the basically the, the, the press back that have been following Albanese around on the bus for the whole campaign so far. So there was a little bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a first day of school and no one will sit with me kind of vibe. So turning <laughs> up, everyone everyone already kind of had their little cliques in their groups and um, yeah. Oh, but also, yeah, <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll live. Um, there's also that thing of, you know, you never know quite what people think of you as a crikey writer. Um, uh, but yeah, and there's, I guess there's also a real kind of hurry up and wait situation to it. Because you, you you arrive about, you know, two and a half, three hours before things kind of actually really get started. And you've got to go through a lot of sort of uh, the security process and things. They do various bomb sweeps. They have to show everyone where the, you know, the cameramen and the camera uh, operators and, and photographers can go. Um, they, they, they take you from one room to another to another. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah. So there's long periods where actually nothing very much is really happening. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty strange situation to be in. Like you're all gathered there waiting for something big to happen, but the wait just goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, and there's, there's, there's various ways that they fill that, but I, I suspect we'll get into that uh, in, in a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so can you tell us about the details of the launch itself? Which, which members of Labour royalty turned up? Who spoke? What did they say? And what was the general vibe that you think the ALP wanted the media to take away from this event? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it was obviously, you know, it's basically the almost all of the shadow cabinet was there. So, um, all, all of uh, the various ministers. Uh, pre- there was previous prime ministers, uh, Paul Keating and Kevin Rudd, who got a lot of uh, shout outs from the um, from the from the lectern. Um, so, in terms of who spoke, it was interesting. I did note, uh, kind of in in some of the media that. Albanese has done while he was in WA, that it had been him and Shorten and a few other people. But I hadn't seen that much in terms of actual WA MPs being kind of given, um, you know, given a real boost. They sort of seemed to put that right slightly in in the uh, campaign. The first speaker was uh, Zanita Mascherenas, who's the uh, candidate for Swan. That's one of those seats that we've talked about previously that uh, that Labour do think they might be able to prize back from the coalition. So she spoke first. And then there was, uh, prior to Albanese's speech, there were speeches from Senator Penny Wong from Jason Clare, who's the the uh, campaign spokesperson, and of course um, WA Premier Mark McGowan. Uh, and it was interesting. I mean, so I think everyone was in pretty good form. Um, Penny Wong really focused in on kind of uh, Albanese's personal attributes, so his 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 
decency and his integrity and his consistency and things like that. Um, Jason Clare, I think if I had to pick a kind of standout performer for the day, I think it was Jason Clare. I think he he's having the time of his life in this current role as a, as a real kind of attack. He was the attack dog for the campaign. So his whole speech was kind of dedicated to kind of uh, smacking about the coalition, basically. And so he actually, I think he got the best gags out of, out of anyone. He um, uh, he said that, they were, that uh, the Morrison government had more smoking guns than the Clint Eastwood film. Uh, and they treat they, they, they think the climate change is something that happens when you check out the April Sun in Cuba, which uh, got, which I think was probably the, the solidest gag of, of, of the day. Um, so he, he and he spoke extremely well. He was very uh, animated and sort of musical in his tones. Uh, and I think then and so then to introduce Albanese, they had uh, obviously uh, Mark McGowan. And, and I think that, you know, it's very clear who's doing who a favor in, in that particular estimation, which wouldn't which um, you know often wouldn't be the case. Usually you think if you were the federal leader, you'd be uh, doing a favor to the premier. But in this case, that's that's sort of flipped because obviously uh, Mark McGowan is, is astronomically popular in WA, even even now. Obviously, he, his his popularity peaked at about 90 percent in 2020. And it's 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 you know plummeted now to merely, you know, 65 percent or something like that. So it's still still the envy of any other leader in Australia. But I also did sort of wonder. So, so uh, the, the interesting thing about McGowan's speech was that he kind of hit a lot of uh, notes about his own government and their success and things like that. And, and I, what, I was interested to know how that was going to play kind of, uh, you know, outside of the state. Obviously, they were making a very strong pitch to WA by holding it there in the first place. But um, it did. It, you did wonder if maybe that came across as a little bit parochial. But it did give McGowan the chance, interestingly enough, by, by kind of talking a lot about the economic achievements of, of, of Western Australia. It was it gave him a chance to say something that no, the very few Labour politicians actually ever, ever try and say, which is to really attack the Liberals on their own kind of turf and talk about their their financial credit uh, credentials and he basically says the liberals cannot cannot manage money we know this now which is a really interesting thing because that's usually the attack line that gets gamed at labor from from the liberal party but I think the other risk when you uh, when you get someone as, as staggering—I mean, I've never seen anything like the the response that McGowan got when he first when he first arrived before the event started. Just you know, people leaping to their feet and hooting and hollering. Uh, and the same thing happened when he did his speech, and so he got like his jokes got huge laughs. Everyone was yeah, sort of drowning in waves of applause. And that's obviously good in one way, but I wanted to maybe that was a bit like. It's a bit like opening, you know, this sort of opening act is suddenly is are they burning through all the energy that, that you need for the headliner, um, which there may, may have been a slight element of, I think. Yeah, I'm sure, given that he's so popular in his home state that he was this hero and then Albanese walks up and is like, anyway, I'm also here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not even, and, and you know, Albanese, uh, I mean, it's very important to stress this is a campaign launch. This is entirely made up of, uh, if, if you're not a journalist, then you're a, a you know, a party faithful or a party luminary. So, of, of course, everyone's going to get a pretty good run of it when they go up there. No one's going to get any, any yeah. booze. So obviously Albanese did, you know, did did fine. But there was periods where you wondered, oh, have have they left this all a bit too late now? And is 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 there a bit of energy seeping out of the room because because everyone got such a high pitch so early, so early on? Something I found really interesting in the article that you wrote about this over the weekend, Charlie, was um, you've talked about how there's all these politicians wandering around with all these journalists and you you called it the subtle dance of events like these where politicians and journalists are both kind of trying to get something out of each other. Would you mind kind of explaining explaining what you're talking about here, what this looks like? Because I think a lot of people are kind of aware of the interdependency of politicians and the media and they find it, I mean, if not just straight out toxic, very interesting at least. Would you mind explaining that a little bit? Yeah, no, it's just something I think you you notice uh, when you when you're ever you're at an event like this, where there are you know there are several hours to fill, and so there was there was periods yeah where a lot of the shadow ministers were kind of just wandering around, just chatting with various tables and various journalists, 
And um, yeah, it's just it's a very interesting thing, the, the sort of strange dynamic that no one ever makes explicit when they, when when politicians aren't being interviewed and not, there's nothing officially happening, but they're just kind of joking around or, or seeming to joke around. And it's very clear that, you know, I don't know, there'll be a mischievous comment from some journalist, which is clearly trying to gauge someone's reaction about some area of policy or some some personality in the party. And and by the same token, a lot of the kind of fun anecdotes or little jokes that the politicians are making when they're, when they're mucking about with journalists are clearly sort of trying to plant the seed of something or something that you might want to take a look at, or, or this might be funny for your story kind of thing. And then I should also say there's a lot of just, you know, within that, there's a lot of just general small talk and also um, a lot of, you know, practical stuff where the people are saying, oh, you know, is there anything that we should know about before we go in there? Is there anything in the speech you think is particularly interesting? All that kind of stuff. So so it's not it's not it's not necessarily particularly sinister. It's just an interesting uh, kind of dynamic to, to observe. <laughs> Yeah, no, sure. Um, Charlie, politics editor Bernard Keane called Labour's election bid an, an old-style platform with two modern twists. Would you mind talking us through Albanese's five-point plan that he unveiled at the launch? What was kind of Labour bread and butter there and what stood out as being quite different? Yeah, it was an interesting one. I mean, I think I, I would definitely commend all our listeners to um, to to go and read Bernard Keane before you listen to me on these on these things. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as Bernard sort of said, in, in many ways, it was a very bread and butter kind of labor pitch. It was, you know, big on well, the, one of the things is trying to bring back manufacturing, but there's also a lot of stuff about, you know, working conditions and um, and kind of the, the 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 life that emanates from that are kind of trying to build up again the, the safety net, things like better access to childcare and, and healthcare and things like that. Um, but yes, no. So I suppose the 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 real modern twist was the um, the, the the very uh, front and centre emphasis that the uh, party is clearly putting on the Uluru statement uh, from the heart and trying to to get that legislated. Uh, so that was that was probably the, the the big part that was sort of interesting. And I think probably you know from from my point of view, and you would sort of expect this. The, the strongest stuff was his sort of working conditions uh, pitch, because I think that was the place where Labour is, is best able to mesh together quite a lot of their concerns. They can talk about better working conditions and they can also talk about aged care and, and care workers in general. And then that can link to, you know, better female economic participation. And then that can link to, um, again, back into care workers and then how that that relates to, say, the, the management of a pandemic and things like that. That was where I felt like a, the most the most parts of the pitch meshed neatly there for me during that period, uh, which is good because that was about about point four in his quite long speech. Yeah. So speaking of his long speech, you mentioned it in your article, and I've heard reports, to be honest, from crikey journalists, that sometimes when Albanese gets behind the microphone, he's got a bit of a habit of going on a little bit too long, being a bit long winded, a bit rambly. Is this <laughs> is this true of him? And did this happen over the weekend? Um, it's interesting. They, they they hand out, you know, a sort of a hard copy of the speech before you go in there so that you can follow along and make notes and things like that. Um, and so I was sort of keeping a reasonably close eye on that as it was going through. And he did stick to his lines pretty, pretty rigidly while he was up there. He, a few little flourishes here and there, but it was it was basically what, what we were expecting that he would say. Um, I mean, it, look, it was a long speech. There was a bit. I, I got the sense that maybe the event could have been tightened up a little bit. But in general, he, he did he did very much uh, stick to his lines. And I think also, you know, when you're at an event like this, as I say, it is it's a hype event. It is it is so even if it wasn't that long a speech, it pretty much gets doubled in length by the fact that every sentence he finishes and there's a there's a huge round of applause. Uh, it, it almost was sentence by sentence. In some cases, actually, it was kind of this strange thing where he'd be halfway through a not particularly, you know, amazing piece of rhetoric, a fairly standard sentence linking one paragraph to another. And you'd hear a ripple of claps like someone was starting something and then it would sort of die down. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think it did feel like maybe it was a little longer than it, than it had to be, but it, but he was pretty 
pretty strict in sticking to his um his lines. Um, Charlie, what do you think? What was the what was the most interesting thing that you saw or heard or experienced at the launch? Oh wow, um, that's an, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, as I say, I think it is it is just the surrealism of being at things like that. that those, those events look, I think, like a lot of um, kind of yeah media saturated events, shall we say? They only look normal through a television screen. And when you're behind it and you can see the, the cameras, it's there's something a little bit surreal about that. So I think the whole sort of situation, yeah, the, the, the whole day kind of was just a, like an interesting, surreal and quite tiring event. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. I think we'll leave it there for the day. Thanks for giving us such an interesting inside look to this campaign launch. Thanks so much. Uh, that was Charlie Lewis, our Tips and Murmurs editor, speaking with us from WA. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time on Election Cast, but also keep an eye out for Cracky's Afternoon Edition as we're currently sending out two editions a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, with all our latest political tidbits. And as usual, if you'd like to listen up on previous broadcasts of Election Cast, you can find us on most podcast platforms, and you can also find the previous uh, editions up on our website. I'm Imogen Champagne. Thank you for coming along and listening to Crikey's Election Cast, and we'll speak with you again at the same time tomorrow. That was Crikey's Tips and Murmurs editor, Charlie Lewis speaking to our audience editor, Imogen Champagne, about Labor's launch yesterday. Thank you for listening to Crikey's election cast. If you have a spare moment, we'd really appreciate it if you could review us on whatever podcast platform you choose. There's plenty of coverage of the election and more at crikey.com.au, so I encourage you to go dive in. See you tomorrow.